Hey guys, so excited to introduce you to you today's guest. I have Jen Blossel today with me on the podcast. She is incredible. I totally fell in love with her. I got to go record this episode with her at her family's house. We sat in her basement just sitting on the couch and it kind of just felt like we were best friends. She was eating chow mix and just telling me these amazing stories about her life. She is a musician. She is one of the biggest... um, names and OGs in the Provo music scene. If you guys didn't know, there are some very big names that have come in and out of that Provo music scene, um, particularly out of this one venue called the Valor. Um, Names like Neon Trees, Imagine Dragons. It's really incredible. Um, Producers come from all over the world um, and specifically from like LA or New York to find talent there because of, you know, just the amazing talent that has come out. Jen has been picked up by many a producer and she's had lots of opportunities to go and write songs and meet different people and lots of people have wanted her to kind of produce music a certain way or dress a certain way or be a certain kind of person and Jen tells us about how she just personally could not compromise. Um, She's had lots of opportunities too. She is So Far Sounds 2020 artist to watch this year. So I'm just trying to get you guys on the end. She is the artist to watch. She has finally found producers that are willing to make magic with her and produce music the way that she wants to produce it and be the person that she wants to be. And she truly just wants to be an influence for good and especially for women. Um, We have really cool conversations conversations. She tells us about the meaning behind her songs on this new album that she's been able to produce, which really quickly I wanted to plug for her. She's doing a Kickstarter campaign right now. Um, I, I just want you guys to know about that while you're listening. If you fall in love with her and you just feel inclined to donate to help her pull this off, just so you know, albums are like about 20 grand to be able to produce them. And so she's doing this Kickstarter campaign. If it was five up to, you know, $10, whatever you could do. Um, I know that we'll mean the world to her but anyways I wanted to give a disclaimer we do talk later in the episode towards the end about kind of like chastity I don't really know how else to really address it chastity modesty and that sounds kind of funny but Jen has really amazing views around that and we do use the word sex or sexual so if there's something that maybe you don't want like I don't know it's it's all really wholesome but if there's something that you don't want your little kids to hear like those words then um go ahead and put in your headphones or whatever you need to do but I just wanted to give that disclaimer and honestly that end part is probably one of my favorite parts of the podcast I think that she has some really cool points and some really cool messages to share with her songs and I'm just really proud of her and I'm really excited that I got to know her and um I'll just stop talking and let you guys (laughs) actually hear her so Without further ado, here is Jen Blossel with Another Way to Live. Okay, guys, I'm here with Jen Blossel. Jen, how are you doing today? I'm doing so great. Yeah? Yeah. Are you excited to be on the podcast? I really am. Let me just tell all the listeners that Vanessa asked the most incredible questions. Because she sent, you sent, I don't yeah. know how to talk about you and yeah. like to you. The most incredible list of questions that were so 
heartfelt but also so thoughtful and also that you did research to know like oh Jen let me ask you about this thing like that's so that means a lot to me oh you're so sweet it was really fun I mean I've known who Jen was for a while because she's actually really big in the Provo music scene I'm a huge deal (laughs) and uh but I got to do a little bit more research on her and it was really fun and so I'm super duper stoked just to help her tell her story and a big reason why we're here too is Jen has a really exciting announcement. We're going to talk a bit more I'm about pregnant. it. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Mom, guess what? <laughs> no. Yeah. We'll talk about it a little bit more into the podcast, but uh, Jen is releasing an album soon and she's been working on it really, really hard on it. And she's working right now with Kickstarter to get it funded. Yes. Yes. And so. Give me all your money. <laughs> <laughs> Please. No. <laughs> but yeah, you're going to see all the work that goes into this. It's seriously crazy. But we're going to start from the beginning with Jen cool. right now. So just, I mean, a few quick questions about the beginning. Uh, when did you first realize that you liked singing? I was going to make a joke about the beginning of like, so in the pre-existence, when I, no. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, singing was my first love. I've been singing since I was like a baby baby, mm-hmm. like since ever I ever I could recall I've been singing you can't remember like the first time you really ever not no. I mean not the first time you sang but like can you remember when you were like really little like a memory of like early early I mean I just would always be singing I know my parents said this like music would come on and like shake my booty to the beat like I just <laughs> love music and then yeah. like singing to me so I have ADD I mean you can never tell it's not like I talk a thousand miles an hour <laughs> um but and so just growing up, I was always singing to myself and, like, singing around the house. And, like, I don't notice it. I just, like, I just do it. Mm-hmm. But I'd, like, go into the bathroom, and I love singing in the bathroom. And then that was funny because I had horrible stage fright, and the bathroom is where everyone can hear you. But I'd, like, go in there thinking it was, like, my private space, but it's, like, the most like echoey you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so yes I was I I was singing since I was really young but I had a horrible stage fright so I wasn't the kid that was like everybody listen to me singing I'm gonna perform for you I love doing plays but I'd like dress up my little brother in plays and I'd like direct the plays Mm -hmm. and so I love doing that like puppet shows and whatever like I was always like doing shows and dance concerts and whatever but singing was like this really sacred love for me that I didn't um feel safe sharing with people Mm -hmm. and I remember here's one memory I remember being like maybe gosh I want to say like 10 or something and I was at my friend's house maybe younger I don't know but I was at my friend's house and she was like giving me tips on how to lip sync and I remember in my head being like no, I'm a pop star. Like, I know what I'm doing. And in my brain, it was just like, I was going to be a pop star when I grew up. I knew it. That was what I was going to do. That was my calling. But when people ask me what I do, I'd be like, I want to be a lawyer or an ice skater. Like, I just, like, I knew when the probability was low. But also, I just, like, couldn't, I don't know. I just, it wasn't. And this, and this is what I've come to understand about singing is like it is a way that my spirit communicates. So it's a really sacred thing. So 
I was on American Idol. I'll share this really fast. And we were with um, tons of people, right? Because you're going through this whittling process. And we get into this hotel, and um, I'm around all these contestants, and everyone is singing. And that's when I realized, like, oh, I don't like singing out loud. Like, the only times I really practice singing is when I'm alone or I'm at the piano. I'm singing to myself around the house, but it's, like, jokey singing, you know? But I don't feel comfortable, like, actually singing out loud where people can hear me. Like, I feel so uncomfortable with that or more so where people aren't paying attention because I'm like listen this is sacred like (laughs) I'm not gonna share a sacred thing if you're not paying you know like pearls before swine like so extreme but it wasn't until idol that I realized like oh my gosh yeah I don't I don't do that like I'm not a person that's like here listen to me sing like I'm just gonna sing in the bathroom and down the hall and everywhere I go (laughs) and and so that was a little tricky because I'd be with people and they're practicing all the time and then I was like I don't know where to practice and you couldn't sing in the hotel. I don't know. It was weird. But anyway. So, so it was really singing. hard to practice, like, with lots of people in a yeah. room spot. Like, you needed your spot to really yes. focus. Yes, and, and to, like, like, zone in and, yeah. like, know really it. work. Totally. And then perform, like, yeah. in, to someone. Yes. And, okay. like, in this space of, like, performing for me, like, really, like – even in church when people announce your name for like a calling or something it is my worst I hate it so bad and I'll do like a half stand where I'm like arched like I'm like crunched up because I don't want people looking at me which is so funny because like I walk into a room and everyone's like oh who's that girl you know like I don't I don't just like blend in like God made me with like crazy hair and whatever but I don't I don't like attention. I feel like weird about it unless I feel like I'm giving something to people. Mm. So performing is a space of sharing and connecting and being like, I have this thing that's going to bless you. Like I was thinking about this when I was like, listen, like my number one love language is literally people asking me questions. But I realize it's because I think so much about things or I think so deeply about things. So I want to share information I've learned because I think it's going to help people. Mm. And so when they ask me questions, I know like, oh, okay, they want to receive this thing like I have this beautiful thing to give them but I don't like the idea of just like attention like that's not I don't like when it's just like oh all about me and I don't feel like they're you know what I mean like I that I just I feel so weird about it anyway that was a weird (laughs) tangent awesome singing okay well no I get it like you need you 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 do it as something to give back to people yeah gotcha and uh is that like kind of how you realized that you wanted to do it forever as a career? I know that you got kind of into the Provo music scene. Yeah. How long were you? How long involved. were you? Yeah. Like when was the first time you got involved? Yes. Let's okay. talk about the Provo music scene for a Let's little talk bit. About the Provo music scene. I'm obsessed yeah. with the Provo music scene. I really am, and I'm even more passionate about it now and transforming it. And I kind of forgot about that passion until my brother texted me today. This conversation, listen to how cute this is. He took notes about what I was saying a, a couple months ago, and we covered like a wide range of bases. But one of them was just like, we become more passionate of like, uh, Utah has insane talent, but maybe not the infrastructure to launch careers. So people move out away to go work with other people so they can launch a career. But why not stay in Utah and build this thing that people come to us? Like there's so many musicians, so much talent, like so much so much is available here and studios are getting nicer. People are getting talented, more and more talented here. 
Um, so the promo music scene, I started playing my first show. My sister was like, Jennifer, you need to go play. I'm taking you down. You you ha no, have no say in this. We're going to a place called Velour, and they have these open mics, and you're going to play. We're going to borrow a keyboard from someone, and you're going to go down. And my sister knew I had a horrible stage fright. I'd never performed a song of my own outside of my house. Like, it, like yeah, like when I say stage fright, I mean like, there are moments in my life that, like, my family came to support me at this thing and I couldn't get out of my seat to go perform. Or, like, I finally performed a song in my school talent show in ninth grade, but it was somebody else's. Like, I didn't feel safe singing my own songs yet. I've been writing songs since I was so little. Like, that was also the thing was, like, singing and writing my own songs. So my sister was like, you have to go down. And apparently I was grounded. I don't remember that detail. But my sister took me to Velour. And I told some friends at school. And then I remember it was like 40 people showed up because I wrote all their names in my journal. I was like, I can't believe it because I didn't feel like I had a ton of friends in high school. Let me rephrase this. I knew a lot of people and I cared about a lot of people. But I struggled feeling like I fit in and I would like cry to my dad about it and I experienced like severe loneliness in high school and so the fact that that many people came to support me meant everything because it was the first time I'd played out of my house and so they came and then Valor this girl a woman named Kanisha who used to help co-manage uh Valor came up to me and was like hey like so do you play outside side like do you play often you know like tell me about it and I was like outside of my living room never I've never done it and she was like we want you to come back and play again and I was like what? was that first experience okay. good yeah it was so powerful like the audience like drank it up and it was only two songs like open mic is not like guys I'm performing it's like no one goes to an open mic except for the person performing and like maybe a pal you know mm -hmm. what I mean like mm -hmm. it's like the most low-key night at Valor and yet 40 people came because I believed in me and they liked, you know, what I did, which was amazing. And my high school was rad. I went to a high school where basically we all came from the same socioeconomic class. So we were all, and it was like kind of like lower middle or like middle class to lower middle class. And it was one long hallway. And so everyone was just pals. Like people had different groups of friends, but like everyone was just friendly with each other. And like the band kids and just like everyone got along. Like the athletes were in choir, you know, like we just all were like a gang of fans, like families. And so <laughs> the fact that 40 people came to an open mic to me still like blows me away. Anyway. And, and, like, one of the guys who was the student body president was going to have a party that night, but he changed it so they could come. And I was like, who are you? Or maybe that was for my debut show. He changed his party so that they could come to my debut show, which I was like, so such nice people. So, anyway, I played two other times, and by the third time I was headlining, which for Velour is kind of unreal. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was headlining. So, my... wait, yeah, tell about the Velour. Yeah. So right, like, like. It's prestigious. Yes. And some of the huge artists have come out of the board. Yes. Right? Imagine Dragons, mm -hmm. most notably perhaps just because they like won Grammys and toured the world. A band called Neon Trees, they had the sign like, oh, oh, I want some oh, yeah. oh, animal. Mm -hmm. Great dudes, great people in that band. The Aces, they're crushing it right now. Yeah. It's this all-girl mm -hmm. band. They mm -hmm. started playing I there. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. so rad. The band, The Moth and the Flame. 
And then other bands that I'm like, why have they not blown up? They are so good. Like the band Fictionists, they're unreal. Um, our, we were talking about our friend Lil Moon, Emma Huntington. She's amazing. Scott Shepard, Book on Tapeworm. Like the list goes on of people that are just like And what are those outrageous. shows like at the Velour? Yes, this is what's so amazing. Velour is an all-ages music venue, mm-hmm. which means they don't have alcohol. Which Mm -hmm. means when people come, you're coming to listen. Sometimes you get punks that will come in and it's like, I'm cool and I'm at Velour. And we're like, shut up because I get travels. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, Utah crowds are so respectful. I mean, we grew up with a culture where we go to church and we know like how to be reverent and listen, you know. And so it's really fun when that can translate to a show setting where people are really quiet. But also it is an all-ages venue. So you'll get like moms and dads coming to support their kids, but then also young people and like, no one's too old to go there or too young. People bring their babies and, like, six-year-olds. You know, it's oh, so amazing. cool. Yeah. And then the other cool thing is, like, people aren't drunk, so you actually have to be good. Like, a drunk person listening, if you're, like, a five and a half, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, that was a ton. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> but for someone who's sober, if you're not past an eight, they're like, yeah, that was a six. You know what I mean? <sighs> and so, like, you really have to deliver a show. Mm-hmm. And you have to promote a show and put up flyers and, like, really, like, skin in the game playing shows. And I tell Corey, like, I'm so grateful. Like, I just count my lucky stars that there is a venue – right down my house where you could have a quality performance Mm -hmm. like I could practice stage performance and playing shows and getting people to shows like what a rad space and to grow as a musician and to like do all these things and like Corey Fox is so amazing he owns Velour and he is just super supportive and uh, at least he was a me like took me under my wing and let me play shows when I wanted and it also is like if you draw a crowd he'll let you play like I just say go to open mics bring a crowd to an open mic and be like, yo, we can like sell tickets. And he curates shows. So he'll pick people and he'll like curate a show to have a certain sound and a certain atmosphere. And like Valor, the atmosphere, even in the venue, he takes great pains to like create an experience. Wait, so, what's a great pain? Yeah, great pains just mean like great lengths. Like he like really oh, invests. Oh, gotcha, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just like it's a weird phrase that like eight-year-olds <laughs> say, but – as so do I. I um, thought that was like a physical. Like, yeah, he goes to great like pain, literally like window pains. Broke his back. Yeah, great window <laughs> pains. No, there is probably like stained glass in there. I don't even know, but yeah, he he just really cares about creating not just a place to play music, but an experience. Like you walk in and see the art on the walls, the lighting. It's kind of like this westerny vintage vibe, and mm-hmm. so it's just kind of like a place. Like. I hadn't been to Valor in a long time at one point just because my life got busier and whatever. And I went there again and I was like, oh, like, this is my place. And I don't mean it to say in a way because for a long time, Valor kind of had this, like, we're cooler than you. Mm -hmm. And I felt that being there of, like, oh, if you're not hanging out with, like, the Valor cool dogs, like, your music sucks, you know? And it was kind of like, yeah, these, like, dudes rule the roost and, like, we're Valor. And so then I was kind of like, oh, well, I guess that's not me and I'm, like, not hip enough for that. And, like, I don't know, I play shows of Valor. But, like, I went there and it was just like, oh, yeah, like, I'm a musician. We, like, I... I express myself in a certain way and I do things in a certain way and I speak a certain kind of language. And so I go to this place and I'm like, oh, these people do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's really cool. And it's a really cool thing where there isn't alcohol, you know, like that just is so rad to me. It's a safe, clean environment, but with amazing talent and amazing musicians. So Holy cow. Yeah. And so you 
we're lucky that like your sister got you yeah in there right yes people that are like wanting to get in right yes. now so two things people that are wanting to get in how do they do that yeah the second thing is like is the valor the way to go or are there other ways to kind of get into a music scene in utah oh yeah what do you think so first thing yeah how do you get into valor totally the second thing is it the only way in? yeah great yeah. great questions um Open mic nights every Wednesday night. Like I said, I brought an audience. So I would say, yeah, if you really want to be listened to and be like, look, I can draw a crowd, go play at an open mic night and bring people. Or bring your A game. Like work on your songs and sing original songs. Because Corey, the, who owns Valor, is often there uh, on open mic nights looking for new talent. Mm. And something that I love doing too is I would have artists come open for me that were brand new because I, I just want to give people a shot you know like I'm grateful for all the people that gave me a shot and so something that I've loved doing is having artists open for me that may not have a way to get in mm-hmm. and I was like awesome you can open for me like come open for me come play bring an audience come experience what that's like the other cool thing about getting into the music scene is that now there are so many more opportunities and so many more venues to choose mm-hmm. from. And so I haven't played a show at Valor in, I think, over a year now because the last show I played was at my friend's thrift. Is she call, It's called Thrifted. It's a thrift oh, yes, store. Heard, oh, yeah. I love uh-huh. them. They're the best. Mm-hmm. And so me and a young man named Tyke went on tour, and then we played a show in Utah, and I was like, hey, I don't want to keep playing at Valor. I want to give people a new experience. And then also I love my friends that own Thrifted, and I love Thrifted. Let's play at Thrifthood. And so it also is like, yeah, as a musician, you can get creative. Like, where do you want to play? Valor's an amazing place to network. There's also a place called... Um, gosh, Third Space Studio that has things, Bill Harris Music. But I would just say, like, start going to Valor and meeting people and then building that network of other musicians. Maybe go on Facebook and see what kind of events are in the area to see if people are throwing shows, you know? Like, it's kind of like if you meet one... Or reach out to me, honestly. If, like, I'm trying to get into music, I'm, like, sick. I love connecting people. And so I think, like, if you want to go go get into the music scene, especially in Provo, because people are having house shows or doing all sorts of things. It's like, go to Valor, go start meeting people, check out flyers around town to see if people have put up show flyers or whatever, or ask your friends to be like, hey, do you know friends that are like having a house show? Ask a friend you know that's a musician and be like, hey, I want to get it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just meet people and network and, and find a community. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, super cool. Just do it, right? Yeah, just do it, honestly. <laughs> Take action, yeah. Awesome. So, uh, what? When did you believe that you were good at this? Like, yeah. Like, I know that you felt like it was a gift, but like, did it when you first performed? Were you? Did you know that you were good? No. No. Like, uh-uh. when did that sink in? I feel like that would be hard as an artist. Yeah. Um. I've honestly, I feel really lucky in a way because when I was first singing, no, nobody told me I was good. Except for maybe, like, my one teacher. I remember, like, I sang at a Christmas party. It was the first time I ever sang at my family's Christmas party. My family roasted me because I sang behind a sheet of paper. Maybe it was the second (laughs) year. It was, like, the second year Christmas party where I was, like, a little more confident. And I sang, Where Are You Christmas? And this woman who was saying at the thing sat me down. And she was, like, You are phenomenal. Like, you're really good. And I had been telling everyone at that point, and I was like 12 or something, and I'd been telling everyone at that point that I wanted to be a lawyer, I think, 
because also I was a bright kid. So, <laughs> And she was like, so did I. But I decided to pursue singing instead. And I really think that you need to do that too. And I was like, what? Like no one had told me that that was really an option. But the thing is, when I started singing, my dad and my family were really critical of me. My sister really believed in me. But it wasn't like, Jen, you're so good. I believe in you. It was more like, Jen, you just got to do this thing. And so I would sing and write songs and my dad would be so critical and be like, stop trying to sound like everybody else. Stop trying to do this. So I didn't think I was that good. And I'd audition for stuff. And I wouldn't get it. Like, I'd audition for school solos, and I would never get the solo. And I'd be singing in choirs, and my voice would stick out, you know, because my voice is really unique sounding. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't think, like, man, my voice is great. But I love to do it. And so I played shows anyway because I loved it. It wasn't that I think I'm good. And it wasn't until I, like, watched this documentary of Taylor Swift, the one that came out, where she's like, oh, yeah, musicians get into the business because they love that approval and that validation. And I was like... Like, that's never been it for me. Like, because I didn't get it. That wasn't why I sang. I I didn't receive validation. I did it because I loved it. And also, again, I just, I'm like, I've always, my spirit has just been so strong. Like, I don't even want to say, like, I'm so spiritual. Like, everyone is. It's just like, my spirit has always been so vibrant. And so I'm motivated by things that feed my spirit and fuel that feeling and that connection. And so I'm obsessed with performing and singing because it's a way to feel the Holy Ghost and like connect spirit to spirit. But I just think like I have these moments like I was singing to something in the car and I was like, oh, I am good. Like I can do these like vocal acrobats, but it isn't like, oh, I'm so good. It's more like I've spent a lot of time developing this craft and I I take great pride in my craft. And that's what's cool. Like I think I'm a phenomenal songwriter, which I wouldn't have said that a little bit ago, but in the past couple of weeks, I've been like, oh my gosh, I've written, literally I've written with some of the best songwriters in the world. And that was a couple years ago. But the thing is we wrote like one of them, his name's Michael. He's like, crushing the charts right now literally so many hit songs i'm like and eh, michael wrote that like and what um like do you know cheers to the ones we got cheers he helped write that if you know the artist lauf do you know him oh yeah yeah he's written all of Lauf's stuff like what? that uh, that he co-wrote like all the things i love paris in the rain yeah that one. yes it's yeah. great yeah and love came out with a new album and i'm like sick michael's on every track you know really? yeah and i i love that album and i'm like is it because i just like love michael's songwriting and like songwriting with people too is also really magical where sometimes it doesn't work out like i went to go write with the guy right after james arthur's song say you won't let go so i went and wrote a song with the guy that helped write that song but we didn't vibe it was not the right thing and that's when i realized like I write songs from a space of truth I'm like okay what's the truth here what are we going to write about like that's why I write songs it isn't like what's going to sell what's going to sound good what do people want it's like I don't even care about that we're trying to talk about the truth and so what is your truth what are you trying to say and Mm -hmm. so there's a songwriter that I got to work with named Ilse Juber because I DM'd her and then she gave me feedback on a song and like helped me with this song. And she's written for Miley Cyrus, Dua Lipa, Mark Ronson. You just like, DM'd her on Instagram. Yeah, I DM'd her on Instagram. I'm all about signing to people's DMs. That's the other thing. Like, <laughs> why well, I've been putting this Kickstarter campaign together and like telling my story. I'm like, I'm a freaking boss. Like, I go after what I want. And I'm like, but doesn't everyone? And I'm like, Oh, I guess not. Like, my friends, a lot of them, like, I took breaks from music. I've never taken a break since I was 17. Because why? Why do it? I've just been, like, 
hungry for what I want for so long. But again, I've been committed to my craft. So I focus first on the craft. I want to get my music right. I want to get the songs right. I'm always writing songs. I'm always doing whatever. So anyway, I've worked with Ilse. She gave me feedback. She was being really dope. And so like a few days ago, I was like, I really am a phenomenal songwriter. Like I've written with some of the best in the world and we write well together and we vibe. Like Michael and I vibe. Ilse and I vibed on this tune. And well, okay, actually at first she gave me this piece back and I was like, wait, this changes the entire meaning of the song. This makes zero sense. And why do you do that? And I was like freaking out. But then it was also kind of cool to be like, wow, like this magician songwriter gave me feedback that I was like, ah, I don't know if it's the best thing because in the context of the song, it shifts everything. Where I was like, that's cool that I know that. Like, that's cool that I know that actually you wouldn't really want to do that. And part of it is just like, I've been songwriting since I was like five. And so now I can write songs all the time. Yesterday I wrote two songs and I think they're so good. And so <laughs> like really, I'm like, they're phenomenal songs. And so it is cool that now I'm like, yes, I'm a brilliant songwriter because I care so much about the craft and I've worked really hard at it. It isn't like, oh, I'm so great. And I love helping people with their songs. And it's something that like I was I think it's so easy for us to kind of be like, oh, like, oh, no, like we think humility is being like, oh, yeah, like I'm bad at this thing or whatever. Like, I think it's humble to acknowledge your strengths and also be like, it isn't because I'm better than anyone else or like I'm so good because I'm incredible. Like, no, I want everyone to think they're incredible. But it is cool to be like, yeah, I am really good at this because I've devoted and sacrificed to be good at it. Mm-hmm. And so anyone can do the same for anything they want. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've worked so hard. Why yeah. would you like not you know, yeah. acknowledge it. So I think that's amazing. Thanks. Um, I really want people to connect to like your journey. Yeah. And anyone that hasn't heard it, maybe that's listening to this yeah. podcast. I just want to give them. So like we know up till you performed, like, you know, you're singing when you were little, your sister got you into the velour, into yeah. that Provo music scene. You stayed there for a little while yeah. in the Provo music scene. And then what happened? A, a producer picked you up or something like that? Yeah, okay. And, tell, and let me know how this happens. Yes. Yeah, because people might not know. I, and I'll give a little bit yeah. more details of like how you even go about to make a record and yeah. like make a song and mm-hmm. what goes into it. Mm-hmm. Before I do though, I, I do want to go back to like, when did you know that you're good? Like with singing, I think singing is so vulnerable. Like it's such, like songwriting is powerful and, and it's liberating and it's freeing, but something about singing is so like, your voice is your voice. And so when you're singing, it isn't like, oh, there's skill at playing the saxophone or there's skill at these instruments that sound a certain way. It's literally like we all have a unique sound that our voice makes. And so I go through ebbs and flows of even liking my voice. Like not even just like, oh, that it's good, but more like, oh, like for a minute there recently, I went through another phase of like, I hate the sound of my voice. It sounds so bad. Why do people think that that's good? And, And in a way that like, I think it's, I don't, like, complain about it to other people. And then when I think that to myself, it's always like, okay, no, Jen, like, it's okay, whatever. Like, you can do this and it'll pass. And I'm in a phase again where I'm like, no, like, my voice is cool. Like, I'm at peace with my voice. We're fine. Kind of like maybe our bodies where sometimes we go ebbs and flows. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And so the thing that's so cool to me, again, isn't just, like, I feel so grateful anytime someone tells me they like my voice or anytime someone tells me, like, their song, my songs or whatever, like, that always means something to me. Even when people are like, you probably get this all the time. I'm like, no, that's so nice you'd even say that. Like, thank you so much. It means so much to me. And so that's always so rad when 
because I know that my voice especially is so unique and it has really interesting character to it. And so not everyone's going to like it. So when people do, I'm like, <laughs> that's like such a vulnerable part of me and you accept it, you know? So mm-hmm. anyway, making music, baby. Here's where this Kickstarter is so important. And I've I've been really long-winded and so I want to be a bit more brief in telling this story and if you want to hear the story, you can go on Instagram, and I've done it in different sections. I'll do Instagram Lives, and I tell people the story because it's actually phenomenal, and it's a story of me not wanting to compromise my values and artistic integrity. So the reason why labels also are so important or, like, so good to have is because they have a budget and they have money. Even if we're looking at a local release, so for me, back in the day, I'll say this, you had to go to a studio and things were tracked live and you played instruments and you played, you paid people in a studio, a producer, and then an engineer. A producer is the guy who is going to help you take your skeleton song and then put all the magic and music to the skeleton song. And then the engineer is the guy that will push all the buttons and be like, okay, push, record, we're doing all the things, right? He's like manning the stations. The producer is the one creating the whole experience. And the artist will work with the producer. So you have to have a budget to be able to pay the producer, pay the fees for the studio, pay studio musicians to come in and play. Things are changing now because so many people can make music on their laptop, right? There's so many sounds that are synthetic sounds that are whatever sounds. People have gone in and sampled instruments, so they have a live violinist playing each note on the violin, capturing that really rich sound, and then putting it in so you can literally press a key and get a certain note of that violin sound. And you pay for all of these. They're called plugins, and you pay for them, and they can be rather expensive. But it's almost like you don't have to go to a studio. It's obsolete. But everything, even to get the gear, is really expensive. The thing is, um, so I don't know how to engineer, meaning like opening what's called a digital audio workstation, a DAW, where you can go in and record. I hate doing that. And not just to the point of like, eh, like there's certain things in my life that I've just learned, like they make me, like I really do the with the way that my brain is wired. There are certain things that come really easily to me and then other things where my brain just like I don't really make sense of it and I feel like an imbecile because I can't figure it out and so I get angry and frustrated because I have so many ideas but I don't know how to execute them. So I like working with someone else and being in a room with them and being like, I have a trillion ideas and then let's make this thing together. And the tricky thing is it's literally like dating too. I think especially with me, I don't mean to do this and be like, I'm like with the producer. Yes. And, and the sense that like, I have a very particular sound that I'm going for. And so not every producer is going to be the right thing for me. And other people, it might be easier because it's like, oh, I'm folksy. And so I'm looking for kind of this organic thing. Dope. A producer can easily do that. Where I was like, listen, I have like, these three main influences, indie rock, R&B, and then classical piano. So I'm looking for a producer that can help me take the blend of these three sounds and create this thing that at that point had never been made. Like music right now is in a really beautiful place where genres are kind of becoming blended. I wouldn't say obsolete, but that 
things are crossing genres in ways that have never happened. And part of it, I think, is because we grew up listening to such an array of music, especially with the music being digitized, that streaming and downloading became so easy. And so we had access to music in massive ways that wasn't available when you had to go out and buy CDs. You know, you had limited Mm -hmm. budget to buy something. And so now we have all this access to music and influence and sound. And so artists are making songs that are unique to them, like authentic to them that are influenced by all these sounds. But when I was starting out over 10 years ago, we weren't quite there yet. Like there was still like Napster and LimeWire, but the producers I was working with, I couldn't find a producer that to me was taking risks, was willing to do weird things, was being really innovative. Like the producers I knew kind of like worked in one way. Like the first time I recorded, I got, I played shows and so I'd meet different musicians right and like building a band together isn't just about like oh this guy plays guitar it's like how does he play guitar though what's his style of playing does he have a tone that I really like and appreciate because I play classical piano again I come from this background my approach to playing is naturally dark and moody it's like really kind of like in your feelings grungy kind of gritty and like dark where a lot of contemporary musicians come from a jazz background so it's going to be naturally brighter kind of happier funkier and that's not my vibe and so I made this music we went and I worked at a snow cone shack to save up my money and I went for one day and we recorded for an entire day and then I had this body of work that I was like ah it's too bright like it's not the thing that wasn't the right producer and so it's really tricky especially like you really are looking for this like creative soulmate of like, do you create and speak the same kind of creative language that I do? That's what I want. And I didn't really realize until a few days ago, really, again, as I've been like compiling this story, like, tell me a pop star that isn't hot first and then talented second. There isn't, there really, we're in a new space where that's becoming more of a thing. Like the reason why Lizzo and Billie Eilish and Lord are such big deals is because Billie Eilish wears baggy clothes so you can't comment on her body. And she is a really beautiful girl but in this kind of weird, unique way, right? With her lime green hair down the middle, her interesting style. Like that would not have flown a couple years ago. Like when I was working with the first label, it really was like, and at the time it was Interscope Records. How the, many years ago was this? I was when I was 19, so nine years ago. Okay. And so when I first met with them, I was like, listen, I want to be a wife and a mom, and these are my values. And this is this is what I want. And so I'm and also again, I've I, I don't mean to sound cheesy. And this is when, sorry, a producer picked you up out of the velour. Ooh, ooh, the great question. Okay, great. I love that. I just like expect you to know these things, Kate. Let me tell you how it happened. Yeah, so Velour was becoming this hot spot for talent. So at record labels, they're the ones that are like, it's, look at it as like, a, I wouldn't even want to say venture capitalist, but like an investment firm. Yeah. They're like, okay, we have all this money. Who do we want to invest in? We want to make our money back. Okay, great. So one of those labels is called Interscope. And then in labels, you have artistry and repertoire, little A&R people. And they're the ones who will go out and find and sign talent to their little like subsidiary label underneath the umbrella of Interscope. And so an A&R person, a guy that had just started working at Interscope, came to Provo because 
neon trees had popped off and like Imagine Dragons was kind of making a buzz at Interscope. And um, so a guy came to Provo and he's like, I need to check out this scene. And so he discovered me through Corey Fox, I think. And the Corey was like, oh, this girl, Jen, like you need to hear her play. Or maybe it was he came to a Christmas thing. I think that's what it is. He came to a Christmas thing. And maybe he heard about me before, but he came to a Christmas thing to hear people play. And he like loved me. And so we sat down and we had a meeting and he wanted me to come to L.A. But I was like, eh, I don't know. Like I wasn't vibing it. And then he canceled his flight. And I didn't return his phone call because I was like, whatever, I don't know. At the time, I used to do that. I would, like, ghost people so bad. Now I do not believe in ghosting. Like, be upfront with people, thank them for what they offered you, and then, like, dip. But anyway, yeah, weird plug. But um, he canceled his flight, had Corey and Kanisha at Valor like, call me. Other people call me to be like, Jen, answer this guy's phone call. So we met again, and I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'll go to L.A., not going to sign anything. I'll go out and work there for a couple weeks and I'll come home. And so I went out there and we were working with a certain producer and it just wasn't the right fit. And at the time to like really women in music have always been sexually exploited. They just have like, and, or at least starting at some point, I don't know if women in the forties were, you know, cause I was a different era. I don't really know. But like as far back as I can remember, it was like all my favorite artists were all really sexy. You know, it was like, you never saw a girl just being like, I can sing like Adele. That, that was monumental or like Nora Jones with, I don't know why it was just like, I sing. And they're like, wow, what, mm-hmm. you know, like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you're not just like shaking your booty and showing your boobs and then selling records, you know? And so when I was working with a label and I was like, yeah, like I believe in Jesus and I also believe in myself and I believe in my songs and I have these values, but like, I'm not a Christian artist. I'm not singing about Jesus and we're not marketing it in a Christian way. They're like, ooh, we don't we don't know what to do with that. Like you're too strong and like you're not gonna show a little skin and kind of be like edgy and like sexual. Like oof, there's not really a place, you know? And so at the time when I was working with this producer, the guy that will like put the sounds to my songs, it wasn't the right thing. It was like urban. It wasn't right. And they're having these musicians that could come in and like, they can play anything. I was like, I don't want a guy who can play anything. I want a guy who plays his thing. And I hire him because he plays that thing that I want. Like I want these people like that was important to me in music is like I have spent so long working on my craft like I've been playing piano since I was four I've been singing since I could breathe like that's important to me to honor craftsmanship and so not synthetic yeah Mm. and especially in the U.S. we went through a phase where like alternative rock music which my my music is like pop but interesting pop I love a well-written pop song I'm such a sucker for that because I think it's its own craft to be like I'm making a song that's catchy and interesting but tells this amazing story in three and a half minutes it's like oh it's so good it's just like it's kind of like oh that's the challenge like I love a good challenge and so I feel like pop music is the challenge even if you want to hate on it I'm like no pop's the hardest to write so like get real bro I don't know ah I don't know like I just think like if you can make someone cry in a pop song like you have mastered I don't know I'm Mm -hmm. just obsessed and like I want my music to reach more people and I want it to be interesting but palatable like that Mm -hmm. was important to me was like I want a good song but I want it to be interesting I want it to be innovative I and and mostly because 
I want it to be me. That's it. I don't even like the word innovative is just simply because I want to do things that sound like me. And so it tends to be innovative. And I think it will be for a lot of people when you're authentic because it's you. No one's made it before. So anyway, I'm with this label. They're with the producer. The last conversation I had with them basically was like, no, listen, like I really do have these values because they kept being like, oh, global domination, like we're going to take over the world. And I told him, I was like, yeah, I really like I still want to. I tell people, Jen, what's your goal? I want to sell at arenas. Like that's what I want to do. Lizzo's in her 30s. That's also unheard of. You know, now she's like selling out the globe. She's been hustling for over 10 years. So I'm like, cool, if Lizzo can do it, I can do it, baby. You know what I mean? Like I'm Mm -hmm. just like, oh, we're in this like great era of music right now where musicians are becoming more honest. Like literally when Ariana Grande came out with Thank You Next, I was like, this is one of the most authentically honest pop songs I've heard in so long like Mm -hmm. it literally is like I'm airing out all my dirty laundry because you've seen it in the news and like I'm singing about it and you're like you go girl you know Mm -hmm. like thank you for that honesty and and it isn't just like I'm shaking my booty in the club I'm like all right how many of those do we need like Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot I guess but (laughs) and that's cool if you want to do that I love shaking my booty I hate clubs because people are too up close but I'm like get out of my space but anyway okay so the label blah blah Essentially, it came down to, like, this isn't the right producer. And, like, I really do want to be a wife and a mom. Because they're like, well, what are you going to do if it happens? I was like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. But, like, I'm not going to compromise that. These are my values. And then also I told them, listen, like, I believe in my music. I would rather be number seven on the charts and be so hyped about my song than be number one on the charts and hate it. But here's the thing. I know I can be number one on the charts and have a song I'm proud of. And so my whole experience with working with labels wasn't just like, I want to be rich and famous. It was like, I want to make songs that are the right song for me. And then I also... Do you think that's what, like, Billie Eilish and all those people actually did? Like, do you think they like their songs? Yes, 100%. Like, Mm. Billie Eilish writes it with her brother. So it's a brother and sister duo. Mm -hmm. So cool. Mm -hmm. And their parents would sleep on cots in their house so their kids could go make their songs because they they had two rooms. Isn't that amazing? So, Mm -hmm. But how do they find producers that will do that? Phineas is the producer. Mm, Yeah. So Phineas makes all the sounds. They write and record and produce their songs together. Mm. And so, like, that's a little bit thing that's really tricky as, like, a solo female musician. Like, I... I know people have hard career paths. I literally feel like being a female solo artist with the values and morals that I have is the hardest career field you could choose. Mm -hmm. Because one, I didn't really have anyone to show me how it was done. I didn't have like a pop star that shared my values that I could look to to be like, oh, that's how they do it. Okay, that's how it's done. No one was doing that. And, And it was also really hard to be a solo artist that I, I don't know how to produce, that's not my skill set, to be able to create the music I want. Like, again, I because I know that this is getting long and so I want to, like, maybe wrap it up, but you can go listen to my journey of, like, trying to find the right producer, which literally was me moving to England to try and work with people there, getting deported, writing letters, emailing, doing whatever. And also, it's so expensive. It is so expensive to work with a producer. The guy out here that's, like, one of the best locally is $2,500 a song. And that's just for production. Then it needs to go through a phase of mixing and mastering, which costs... I'll say around like $500 if you're being, if you want a song that's good, up to $800 for a song. For That's a, a guy I talk to locally, and it's still going to be great. He's so talented. But you're looking at, what, $3,000 
for a song, an average record has about 10 songs on it. You're looking at 30 grand. Most record labels... For an album. For an album. And that's a local album. Most record labels will invest like hundreds of thousands of dollars to make an album. It's changing a little bit now because they're able to like cut out middlemen and do whatever. But like making an album costs a lot of money. And so, and so just finding the right producer to begin with was tricky, like someone who would, and also like I've worked with producers that wouldn't listen to me and like wouldn't really value my ideas and would have to call in other people to validate that my ideas were good. And I don't know if it's because I'm a woman and I'm a girl, like a girl and I'm young. And so I don't have this air of authority, you know? And like, I, I, I get so sensitive with using like, yeah, I'm a victim and like girls get, treated badly but like girls get treated badly like that's just a fact it just happens and so then it is like okay so what do I want to do about it great I made a vow I'd never work with that producer again he's so talented but I was like cool if he's not going to listen to me and and like we'll keep saying to trust him instead of me being the artist like no my I don't care how talented he is I don't want to be in that scenario and so the producer that I found finally because I lived in New York City and blah blah like I sold all my belongings so I could fly to New York to stay a bit longer. Not all my belongings, but like so many of my clothes and all of these things. So I could fly to New York and work with this guy because we met and I was like, this is the kind of producer I've been looking for. And then that particular situation, it wasn't the right timing. We ended up working together down the road and like wrote most of the record together. And he just finished executive producing this massive record for a girl named Melina Barraz, who's like a big deal R&B artist. So like it also was really cool. I'm like, he was on my record. Like, you know what I mean? Like the talent I wanted, like Spencer was just beginning to produce and now he's like slaying the game. And so it's cool because I didn't want to compromise also on quality. It Like even though I might live here, I didn't want a record that sounded like, oh, my cute friend's album. It was like, no, I want to make an album that like is everything I wanted to long story short after all this like hardship I recorded the album of my dreams like and so the coolest thing when people are like Jen what do you how did you did you find your producer yeah I I met him because I lived in New York City and I became friends with a guy when I was a missionary he was a musician he's amazing and he introduced me to him and then I was their backup singer in a band and he's brilliant. And at that point, he was, like, doing interesting sounds with his now wife. Like, I love them. They're so amazing. And um, he's brilliant. And so I moved away from New York. And he happened to be coming on tour and went and played at Velour with The Strike, a local band. And he was playing in The Strike's band because, again, like, the music world really so tiny. Like, everyone's, like, connected. Like, that's what's so cool is, like, kind of, like – like, it's big, but it's also so not big. And so the fact that they're all connected and came to Valor, like, blew my mind. But also, like, oh, it kind of makes sense. But when he was there and we were talking about production, because I was telling him, like, about my journey of, like, struggling to find a producer. And then as we were chatting, I was like, we're speaking the same language. Like, the things I'm looking for, he's like, oh, yeah, I love doing that, whatever. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I've never bonded with someone who makes music the way that I want to be making music, which is you go in a room and everything is on the table. Like, no idea is bad. Try it all. Do it all. Crazier idea, the better. You know what I mean? And it is a place where you have to be 
and now, like I'm realizing this now like it's really vulnerable to be like this idea might suck but like let's try it and so to find someone where you feel safe enough to be like okay I have this crazy idea and not have to feel like oh it's a crazy idea it's like let's do this let's try this and so Spencer and I like then we're like okay like we need to work together and he was living in New York and my friend was getting married in New York City and so and like I was so poor but again I was like okay I'm selling my clothes so I can go to my friend's wedding and also so I can stay in New York a little bit longer so I can work with Spencer. And so Spencer and I worked together, but it it wasn't like the right vibe. Like it just, we weren't gelling and he was new and producing. Like he had just kind of started like actually getting into production. And so I came back to Utah and then one night it was like, oh, it's time. Like I just, it was like, I made this other song and I don't want to be repetitive in my story, but I, because again, you can hear all this on Instagram for anyone who's listening and wants to hear, but um, I uh, reached out to a local friend of mine who's a musician, and we used to be in a band together years ago, and like I respect him so much. He's a phenomenal musician and human being. And I was listening to this record of theirs. It's uh, He's in a band called Fictionist. And I was like, I'm obsessed with this record. And I had, I did not realize that the reason why I love the record so much. Oh, I know why. It was because I was working, recording my music. I couldn't find a producer. So I was like, I'm going to release songs acoustically. Like, I'm just going to release stuff. Like, I have so many songs. I'm always writing songs. I had this awakening the other day that was like, I don't even give myself credit for how good I am. So now I feel like I'm telling everyone, like, listen, I'm really good. But just because I wasn't allowing myself to recognize that. And I think it's so important for us to recognize, like, yeah, we can freaking crush at things. And because we're investing all this time, like I really have worked with amazing people. And part of it is like I work as a waitress at a local pizza restaurant. And so I forget that like, no, I've done phenomenal things because I've made things happen for myself, you know, and they haven't fully come into fruition yet. So yes, I'm working as a waitress because I need to pay my daily bills. But like, I still have done these things. Like I'm better than I give myself credit. Anyway, la 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 I'm doing these acoustic things and the guy I was working with to make the acoustic stuff was like oh yeah I made this record and I made it with Stu Maxfield and when I listened I was like the reason why I love that fictionist record is because Stu did it like the elements in this song that I love and that I love in the record are because Stu made it and I didn't realize that I thought that maybe it was the producer they worked with or whatever and so I reached out to Stu and I thought we were just gonna like meet but we ended up I played him a song and he immediately hopped on drums because Stu plays like every instrument he's insane and so then we tracked a song and I was like this is literally the sound I've been trying to make for whatever eight years at that point like because this record that we started working on is like four years in the process like four years in the making that moment I literally like I started to cry, but I was embarrassed. I was like, I don't want him to see me crying. But it was this feeling of, like, so many things. It was like everything I had been working for happened. Like, I believed in myself. I just trusted. Like, I knew what sound I was looking for, and I wasn't satisfied until I got that, you know? And so it was amazing to feel like, yeah, I wasn't being... I wasn't living in fantasy land. Like, we just have to trust our spirits and just know, like, what we're called to do or what we feel strongly about. And then another thing was, like, 
for so much of my life, I felt insecure that even if I showered, I looked like I hadn't showered, you know, like I looked slightly unkempt all the time, you know, and like I really struggled with that because it was like, oh, as a girl, like that's not attractive or whatever, you know, like it just was kind of like and labels and people didn't know what to do with me and branding and just that. And so I made this song and I finally was like, this song sounds like what I look like. Like this song gives me context and I'm at peace with myself because I finally made something that expresses who I am so I don't have to explain myself anymore. Like it, like I just think of the phrase like feeling fulfilling or like the measure of your creation, you know? It's like that's going to be unique for all of us and mine is in songwriting and like making music. And so when I finally made this thing that was like the thing I'd been wanting to express about myself was like this piece of like, yo... I, and the cool thing is like, now I've just started, like now I'm starting, even though I've been playing for 10 years, I'm like sick, my career is finally starting and I have all of my life to invest more. Like if it takes 10 more years to like get where I want to go, dope, I'm in it for the long haul, you know? But anyway, so I worked with um, Stuart and then that's when I was like, wait, I miss working with Spencer Stewart. I miss the weirdness of the stuff that we were doing because the song with Stu is a lot more organic and we played everything live because we both are musicians first. And so we played everything ourselves. And then with Spencer, we'll have a mix of playing instruments because he's also a phenomenal musician. We went to a contemporary, the best contemporary music school in the world on a full ride scholarship. Like that's how insanely gifted he is. And so anyway, um, I reached out to him at like 2 a.m. And I was like, yo, like Spencer. And the coolest thing is he told me that after we worked together, he's like, I knew that I'd work with you again, Jen, but it wasn't the right timing. And so the thing that's amazing to me is like that also gave him room to grow as a producer. He hustles more than any like he's he's always listening to music and not just kind of being like, oh, I'm listening to the sounds. He'll go in and be like, how did they make that sound? And then he'll figure it out. So when we're recording together, it's so fun because he has this insane arsenal to pull from of like all the sounds he's figured out how to make. And then also us together, like people say this, like Michael Jackson wouldn't be Michael Jackson without Quincy Jones's producer. Like you just find these like this alchemy between people of making stuff. And so I bring out stuff in Spencer that only I can bring out in his gift because we just push each other to try stuff because we trust each other so much. It's so cool. And so he'll say that. He's like, Jen, like I take risks that I would be too scared to try on my own. But like when you're here, I like feel confident to do it. And I'm like sick, do that, you know? And so also like Billie Eilish is unique because she adds so many weird sounds throughout her music. And that was kind of unique for a pop artist to do. Like her music just is kind of like, what is this like it doesn't really make sense like her singing is interesting and breathing is weird you know and so anyway la 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 all all of it to say is like so much goes into making one song and you found and so i'm yeah so with this album that you're about to release yeah Stu and spencer yeah is it the spencer stew uh, I, I know. <laughs> or or who produced like yeah it's okay, both so, so, both so tell me yeah have you re- so you're getting doing this Kickstarter. Yeah. I'm, maybe I'm not understanding it right. Yeah. Have you already recorded all the songs? And yes. in order to release it, you have to have the funding. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. So and and uh, Spencer. Uh huh. And Stu produced it. Yes. And Both a third guy, John Hancock. And we worked on two no songs way. together. Yeah. John Hancock. John Hancock. That's his name. I know. I know two John Hancocks. Isn't that so funny? 
Really? Yeah, isn't that wild? I thought They're you were going to say, like, from 17... I know. Yeah, Johnny Hancock came back from the dead. He was like, Jennifer, you need my imprint on this You record. need my John Hancock. You need my John Hancock for this, this album to succeed. Um, I worked with another guy Okay, so those three. Lake. Yeah, and I worked with him, and then we did a third song, but I was like, oof, this is getting too EDM. And so I'm obsessed with this record because it has so many different flavors, and I and it so it will never get boring. Does it sound like any of your other music? Slightly. Well, obviously because it's your voice. Yeah. But like so. Is it divine? Yeah, how and, does it make it different? Yeah, divine and tired are on the album, and mm-hmm. those are released. Mm-hmm. Those and, are amazing. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so it's a record. Those are made with Spencer Stewart. Mm-hmm. So those songs, but the one with Stu, divine is, gave me chills. Really, like, all over. Woo! And I that loved one's it. and both I'm, of them are so good. Oh, mm-hmm. thanks. And here's the other thing I'm obsessed with this record is that. There isn't a, there's one love song on the record. Yeah. And it's because it was a situation where in my heart, I just knew the scenario wasn't right. And I couldn't say why. It was one of those, like, I just have to trust the Holy Ghost. And so it talks about, like, maybe in another life I could have I could have been your wife. Like, it was this, like, sadness. But also, like, when you have the confirmation of the Spirit, like, you just, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it, there's that love song, but it's a unique perspective of, like, it wasn't right. And I had to listen to that. And I had to listen to my soul. And it took me away from you, mm-hmm. which is like, what? And then there's another song, Real Love. So it's kind of a love song, but it's a self-love song of like, yeah, I've never kissed a boy. I was 26 and I was so embarrassed because I was writing with Spencer, who is um, one of the world's best human beings, but he's not a Latter-day Saint. And so to a lot of people, they're like, wow, sex before marriage. Like, you don't have sex before marriage. It's so strange. Or not strange. A lot of people, like, respect it, but they're kind of like, whoa, that's wild, mm-hmm. you know? And so, I, and I love it. I, like, people have been so kind to me when I'm like, oh, I don't drink. They're like, wow, really? I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> like, I'm crazy without the alcohol. Can you believe? <laughs> and so the thing is, like, I was writing that with Spencer, and I was so embarrassed to admit to him, especially, like, I've never even kissed someone. Like, I know. Like, I'm weird, okay? And now I'm just like, yeah, I, I haven't. That was what was right for me. So, like, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I respect myself, baby. So, like, there's real so that's love. that's what real love is about, yeah. kind of. And then divine is about the fact that this sex therapist came and sp- spoke to the uh, young single adults when I was living in New York City, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Oh, no I way. love her to the ends of the earth. I know. Isn't she powerful? She's amazing. I'm obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. I, like, am literally her, like, number one fan. And, um, yeah, oh, like, she, her podcast, you'll listen to them and, like, enlightenment happens every other sentence mm-hmm. you know you're just like oh Brene Brown and her and my eyes are like on the same level yes. of like enlightenment mm-hmm. uh, again like so many powerful women in this world I'm so obsessed so like, what did she say with divine yeah so divine is about the fact so this thank you for reining me back yeah. in I love you you're mm-hmm. the best so it was about the fact that like we have for the strength of youth mm-hmm. and like a lot of times we're like these are standards meant for adults as well and she's like well when it comes to dating you want to be with someone who arouses sexual feelings like it's worse if that's not happening and she's like in my because she's a sex and family therapist she's like intimacy is such a struggle for couples either they feel like oh man now immediately have to have sex or I feel uncomfortable having sex I feel uncomfortable with these feelings I'm not at peace with my body and she's like the sexual self is the divine self like that is like our god is a divine sexual being like I don't know how he had spirit children but like 
I don't know either. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, and we know he has a body. Like, I'm not trying to be vulgar, but I just think like the the act of creating human life so, is so sacred. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading a talk by Elder Holland of sacraments and symbols. And this wasn't said in the talk, but to me, I feel like this is what the Holy Ghost taught me. Sex is literally a sacrament when it's in the sacred bonds of marriage. And it's this beautiful act where your sins are literally forgiven because it's this sanctifying, incredible thing. And then I was like, what? That is so cool. And like, no one taught me that, but I literally feel like that's what the Spirit taught me. And I was like, holy crap so divine is about the fact that intimacy is part of the divine self so it's a really sexy tune it's like i want to feel your lips and my lips and i was like yes i want people to honor their sexual selves and then understand also that it's we've reached the divine like this is a divine feeling so honor its sacredness and you know what i, <laughs> I mean love it. yeah and remove shame i'm so and that's what she also talked about and like what i feel so deeply is like we need to remove shame from our sexual feelings and our sexual desires and instead feel empowered like the other day okay this is going to be a tangent and then we can be done my friend morgan and i were talking about how Growing up, and it wasn't until she was speaking that I realized like I have these feelings and thoughts and I had never formalized them. But growing up, we had been taught, you know, as a girl, like, don't, you don't want to be pornography for boys. Dress modestly because boys have certain thoughts. Be careful. You know, like the garment line is modesty. Where I'm like, no, I wear garments because they're garments of the holy priesthood and I'm endowed with power from on high by God. I I told you I'm obsessed with garments. I really am. Mm -hmm. And and I made a covenant with the Lord and God covenanted with me and so did I. And so therefore I wear certain clothing because I made a covenant, but not because of modesty. Like I told you, I'm like, I'm wearing petite garment bottoms. I'm like, listen, I love my legs, but I love my covenants too. But like, yes, I have smaller ones and people could judge me and they do. But I'm like, me and God feel good about it. And maybe I know that like, you're I'm, a very petite person. Yeah. And also <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I hope that's so cute. I don't know. But uh, yeah, people are amazed sometimes when they meet me, they're like, you're so small. I'm like, I know. Cause I'm really like loud. I don't know. I'm like mm-hmm. big, but I'm, I'm five, three. And so pretty small, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I just was like, no women, we have this amazing, like, sex appeal is incredible. And knowing, like, yeah, to my daughters, like, you can really influence a boy based on how you dress and how you present yourself. So, like, work that magic, baby, and influence them for good. Like, a guy being attracted to a girl, are you kidding me? Like, that woman has so much power, you know? And so I'll teach a girl, like, yeah, honor your body and it's a sacred gift from God but don't shy away from that like you're not being like like just the conversation I want to change the conversation of like we dress modestly because we love our bodies and we honor our bodies and we honor God and we don't want a guy just staring at our boobs instead of listening to our brains you know and like really the way we dress does affect them biologically that just happens like but it makes you feel shameful yes when when people tell you to like yes that you Dress can't be like almost 
I don't know. Yeah, sexy. Or totally. Sexy or anything. Yes. It makes you feel scared of your body. Yes. Or and ashamed like of it. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's so magical when I'm around a boy and I'm attracted to him and he's attracted to me. I start dressing differently in the best way mm-hmm. where I dress and kind of, and I don't mean in like a revealing way. It's more like, oh, I'm honoring the fact that yeah, like. Yeah, I think you have to act like, how, yes. how am I feeling yes. when I'm wearing it? Totally. And I do the, the same thing. Like, and yeah. I think I've had. You know, I've definitely, you know, done maybe dressed a certain way because yeah. I w- maybe had bad intentions yes. versus when I've dressed, like, because I wanted to feel, like, comfortable yes. and also beautiful yes. and, you know, even powerful and yes. you can feel sexy and not, like, yes. you know. Shamed, I, yeah. yes. Like, you can, so, you can wear garments and still be sexy. Totally. A hundred percent. And if that means, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm wearing this thing, like, I might get backlash on this, and honestly, I don't even mind because it's between you and God. But, like, a woman's sex sex appeal is a magical thing, Mm -hmm. and it isn't something to feel shamed about. It is a gift that we've been given. Mm -hmm. The fact that, like, men are attracted to our bodies, are you kidding me? That's so special and so beautiful. So how can you harness your divine feminine energy in a sacred way and create powerful sacred bonds? You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing is, like, so divine. I have this other song called uh, Woman that's literally about sexual awakening. And the lyrics are, you've got me feeling dirty, baby. It's like you have unearthed me, maybe. But the reason is because... A sexual awakening, like especially when you're young and you're like, what are these feelings? And you feel so embarrassed about them. It's just like, no, that thing that was dead and buried has now come alive and it's been raised from this dirt. So it's dirty. I put air quotes, but it isn't because it's bad. It's just like birth is dirty. Like that's so dirty, but it's such a sacred thing. And so that's the same way as like, I want people to feel empowered of like, yes, like I have this power as a woman to influence. And part of that, again, I keep saying sex appeal, but like, it really is like, we need to talk about that. And not in this, again, working with a label and they're being overtly sexual that's not what I'm saying it isn't I'm selling my body and my body is my worth not at all like my brain and my spirit is my body but my soul is also like my body is my soul you know what I mean and like Mm. how can I present it in a way that expresses the most divine amazing way like I don't want a girl to feel like I can't wear leggings because it shows off my hips or my booty it's like girl, God gave you that booty, work it, you know, like, it Mm -hmm. looks so good, but are you doing it because you want to feel validated by other people? That's where it's dangerous. Or are you doing it because you're like, I honor myself, and this is amazing, and this is a gift that I can give to people, like, my own unique beauty, I don't know. So this song, Woman, is literally about, like, sexual awakening. Again, Dr. Finlayson 5 just, like, opened up this thing that I didn't know I was so passionate about, because what's happening is women are feeling shamed about who they are. They're feeling shamed about the shape of their body. They're feeling ashamed that if they even wear a t-shirt that's slightly form-fitting, it's going to make someone feel bad thoughts. It's like, no, those thoughts are powerful. And that young boy can be disgusting in the way that he's skewing how he's viewing you. That's on him. That's not on you. You know, like that's a power that you have. And so then carry yourself with that power. Influence them for good. Use it to be magical and transform lives, you know. Anyway, so I'm just, and like, again, it also was that like women in marriages were feeling like my only place is to please my husband. I it's not about me feeling desired at all and I don't have boundaries it's he gets it whenever he wants it you know whatever and 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 so it's just like I want women especially because I am one to feel empowered 
Like, that's so funny because, again, I've never even kissed a boy. But, again, that was because of an empowered decision, you know? It was like that was my decision that I made. And I wanted to have a relationship where I felt like the things that were important to me were being met. And I hadn't found that. And so I made an empowered decision of, like, cool, I want to be intimate when my spirit is, like, okay with that. And so, anyway, this record, like... I, yeah anyway oh this is so long this podcast but <laughs> no, yeah awesome. anyway so no I love it I think like what you're saying is a big topic yeah. that lots of people are discussing and I think that there's a lot more of this to come yeah and I think there's a still you know I still don't know how to go completely about the topic because yeah. I feel everything that you're saying yeah but then like it scares me because mm. I get scared of I get scared of guys like guys sometimes because yeah. what if we're dressing and like they do like yeah and then like I don't know rape or something happens, yeah you know so like that's where like I get scared where I'm yeah. like okay like dress all this way yeah but then like I'm like but that's guys not are scary no totally. it's not empowering and it's not like and it's on the guys totally. it's not on the women at all yes but it like but then, then why do we have to feel like that? Like, it's so yeah. unfair as a woman. Totally. So, like, where are we? Where's the line? Yeah. I, I just think it comes down to, like, the Holy Ghost will teach us. Mm-hmm. And the more the Holy Ghost teaches me, the more I feel just empowered to make decisions that feel right with me and the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. So I still believe in modesty. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. like, yeah, girls, show off your cleavage and mm-hmm. be whatever because boys – you know it still is like no literally like apparently if a guy sees a girl in a bikini it sets off a part of his brain that's the same part of his brain that lights up when he sees a hammer where it's like oh yikes like they they're seeing it as a tool it isn't you know what I mean so it is knowing like that thing but it also is like well do you feel powerful in a bikini and you're like yeah I'm with this person and like I want them to feel sexually attracted to me because that's important in a relationship than dope. But it also is like, girl, you're wearing this like really tight mini dress because you you want a guy, you know, it, it again to validate you and like you don't feel beautiful enough on your own. You know, like I like I it's think all the about intent, intention. Yes, every time. Every time. Mm-hmm. Like the intent is everything. Mm-hmm. Like a young homie could have short hair, but he's trying to seek validation through a short, clean cut haircut of like, I am a good guy because look at me. Where a guy could have long hair and between him and God, he's like, yeah, this feels like such an expression of who I am and I feel so good in it. And like God and I are so good. And like someone could look at the short hair guy and be like, yeah, homeboy's killing it. He's choosing the right. And that long hair guy's sinning where I'm like yo in my eyes long haired dude's got it right short haired dude his intentions are kind of in the wrong place like I really don't like the intent the phrase um the road to hell is paved with good intentions I'm like no it's not the road to hell is paved with like bad choices and intentional decisions that are bad Mm -hmm. good intent is everything Mm -hmm. real intent everything that's heaven that's how you get connected to god is through real intentions i mean i know it's kind of like oh you intended to do it but you didn't and like hell is paved with like you know like i i get that but like yeah i think intentions everything and like i think it also it goes back to teaching boys also about like respecting women and women can do that by respecting themselves and being like no I'm dressing this way because I respect myself when I'm setting boundaries you know like I think it just goes 
Like, how are we teaching people about sex? Are we empowering women about sex? Are we empowering men about sex? Are we talking to them about the biology of it, about what happens? Are we, ta- you know, are we helping them feel confident in their bodies? Are we, ha- you know, like, and so I think like the idea, yeah, of like rape is like, yikes. Yeah, it's, I think it just, I mean, the best thing we can do is like have conversations in the family and that like, I just, man, we can take this out and this, like, yeah, say, you know, really yeah, we can go for it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Now. And I'm really grateful for what you're sharing. Yeah. I think it's super empowering. Yeah. So thank you you're for, welcome. like, speaking to that. Yeah. And also, like, going there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, just not yeah. afraid. I'm yeah. like, God, send me. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm like, freaking, let's do this. Yeah. Well, your music does make, like, I think it makes one feel powerful and so thank you so much i'm so stoked to hear the rest yeah seriously okay guys the the number one thing that you can do right now is to donate yes please this is what this is what she needs to be able to pull this off yeah and it's really scary i think to ask for money Uh, yes but like this is what she what we have to do to like really make this come to life and yes so if you're ever like looking for a good cause or yeah. something to put money towards, like this is yeah. where you want to do it. Thanks. Even if even if it's like five dollars. Yes. Even if it's like one dollar. Yes. Yeah, or fifty. Uh-huh. Or you share it on Facebook and Instagram. You yeah. Know? All of the share. above. Share with your family, like do a text thread, share her yeah. songs, like let them know, like, hey, listen to this song. She's trying to get her album, like, kick-started. Yeah. Like, what young mm-hmm. women do you know that could listen to Divine and then have that conversation with them? Mm-hmm. Like, so much of this, too, is, like, I want to start these conversations. It's so important. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like I wanted to have music that parents and kids can listen to. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, like, a theme that was... I didn't consciously, but I just wanted that. And now I'm like, wow, not only can they listen to, but they can start having conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a great way to be like, that's not like, you got me feeling dirty. And the daughter's listening to it. I'm like, yo, parents, talk to your daughter about that feeling. Mm-hmm. And then, like, don't be like, this song's bad. No, it's not bad. Like, we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And we need to empower girls when they're really young to understand, like, this is amazing. And my body can create a human life. Yeah. Like we bring God. Women are so powerful. Yeah, they are. And so are men. I'm yes. also so big yes. on like the more the double standard we have in our society of like praising women and demeaning men. I'm so sensitive no, to yeah, that. Yeah, definitely and, not. Like we need men. We like need the other thing I love about sexual awakening is that it doesn't happen with just me. It's a man that comes in and like that duality creates these feelings, you know? Or just people I I here's a, another weird plug. I think the same goes for like people with same gender attraction. We need to remove any shame from sexual feelings mm-hmm. because shame in general is from Satan and mm-hmm. that's just all bad. Mm -hmm. and just I think we just need to own like that's what our bodies this is what happens to our bodies you know and then it empowers us to make certain choices but if we're in a place of feeling shame we're not going to feel God's love we're not going to feel love for ourselves we're going to feel embarrassed you know when these feelings are you know what I mean and so anyway like again with like sexual awakening it isn't just like oh I created it myself it's like no this is a powerful thing because that's what creates life like with that attraction and these feelings is what enables you to bring god's children into the world anyway oh it's Amen. just so cool oh yeah. so good thing we need to have like another podcast on that oh okay. yeah <laughs> okay well literally thank you so much You're is there welcome. anything else you want to say about you know your album or anything um if 
just if anyone has any more questions, feel free to reach out to me. Go listen to the videos on my Instagram and Facebook. You can hear acoustic songs of these things. And um, please listen when the music comes out. But also it can't come out if the Kickstarter fails. <laughs> I mean, I'll find a way. I'm so resilient. You know what I mean? It'll, it'll work. It but really like, are. It's going to work. In order to play in a bigger scale, like the Kickstarter would help do that. Okay, awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, love you love so you. much. Thank you so you're much amazing. for coming on. Let's you're amazing. You okay. Here is Jen Blossel with Another Way to Live. Peace.